welcome to another edition of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. With you as always, I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, the man with the stats, Joe Matz. Joe, what's going on? Oh, you know, just trying to recover from my 14-hour drive yesterday and hoping that that will somehow I, I'm kind of hoping that not having as much time to overthink this will lead to better picks because last week was pretty rough on my picks. I think you really bailed us out. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't great, but I mean, they were good. Again, we, our optimal lineup was around like 184 points, which I mean, I'll take that. That'll definitely win you some money. It isn't as good as it's been some weeks. Real quickly, just going over our picks from last week. Uh, Kyler Murray, I was all over that, 7,000, had him in almost all my lineups, 38.14 points. Rivers at 5,900 at 17.02. I mean, Minshew at 5,300, 16.94, could have helped you build some lineups. Uh, Rogers disappointed a little bit, 7,800, he was your top-tier quarterback, 18.3. Your best quarterback play was Brady at 6,600, he scored 26.4. Hill was obviously, he ended up not starting. Breeze came back. That was a weird late scratch and a great matchup. I was really disappointed. Uh, the running backs, we did not do well on. Uh, Taylor, my high tier, 7,200 at 19.5, but that was not what, honestly, I was hoping out of him. Gallman was awful at 5,600. Gus Edwards at 4,400 at 19.8. Uh, Eckler, your top tier, 7,500, got 11.9. Davis at 6,500, who I was really high on as well. He had 8.1. And uh, Hines for the Colts had 7.4, your low tier. The receivers, which has been all year, our bread and butter. Um, my high tier didn't do anything in Cooper Cup at 7,000 for 8.9. But my middle tier, Brandon Ayuk, 6,300, was actually both our middle tiers, scored 22.3 points. Russell Gage, 4,700, one of the best plays we had last week, 17.8 points. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was a great play for your high tier at 7,900. He had 34 points. I mentioned Ayuk was your middle tier. Aguilar, your low tier at 4,900 at 8.8 points. Uh, I jinxed us because we'd had two good weeks of tight ends in a row, and uh, it's back to a crapshoot. They they were bad. Uh, I had Gronk at my high tier at 4,200. He scored 5.9 points. Irv Smith, your middle tier, or my middle tier, 3,600, scored 6.7 and Cole Komet, who was both of our low tier at 3,000, scored 3.2. Uh, Hawkinson and Ebron did not have good games either. It was Hawkinson's first game of the year that he didn't score eight points or more, which is just bad timing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Allen Robinson was my favorite play, unfortunately. My top tier flex at 7,400. He scored 12.3. I mean, he only had four receptions on five targets. I was just shocked he didn't get a lot of volume. T.Y. Hilton, the mid-tier at 5,500, got 11.1. And then Ryan Tanya and I am excited about, and he was a tight end, so that helped our uh, optimal lineup at 4,500. He scored 10.8. And then again, the receivers. I mean, it's just incredible. You had Diggs as your high tier, 28.7 points at 7,900. The great call on our man, Corey Davis, 5,800, who had 24 points. Cole did not have a great game. I think he had like 4.8 points at 4,000. And then again with the defenses, I mean, I was hoping that your Steelers on uh, Monday were going to come through at 3,900. They didn't really either. So the Rams were not good at 4,500. The Redskins weren't good at 2,600. My Niners were not good at 3,100. And the Steelers, Seahawks, and Cardinals. The Cardinals were okay, but the Steelers and Seahawks were not. It was just a rough week for defenses. But 
for week 16, we're down to just two weeks. It's, it's getting that time of year where you have to really pay attention to guys that are starting. You're going to see some teams start resting players because they have playoffs wrapped up. You're going to see teams starting to tank because uh, I know that the Jaguars have already said they don't want Robinson to play this week. It's pretty much what they're saying. He wants to. You're going to see a lot of that because now they have control of the number one pick. But we're going to get right into it with quarterbacks. My high tier is Jalen Hurts, and I had a hard time figuring out the high tier. We were talking about there's a lot of guys in that 7,000 or more value that obviously you can go with, but it's just a lot of them are risky. Mahomes is so expensive. He's a guaranteed great play against the Falcons, I think especially with Edwards Hilaire out, but Hurts is only 7,000. He scored 23 and 40 points in his first two career starts. He's rushed for at least 60 in both. And then the Dallas defense is not good, but the thing that was interesting to me and what really made me pick him was they have faced both Murray, uh, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson, and both had good rushing days. Murray had 10 carries for 74 yards. Jackson had 13 for 94. I believe you're right. They both had a touchdown as well on the ground. And that does not include the fact that Dallas gives up the most passing, uh, passing touchdowns in the league to wide receivers, which we've talked about all year. So I think you could see Hurts having another good game through the air, which he actually was really good last week. Uh, so I just think that with these running quarterbacks, they have such a low floor. Hurts is at 7K. I mean, I think on the low end, he's going to get near that 20 to 23 points that he got the first week. And then obviously you have the ability for him to have the 40-point game. It was swallowed so high on Kyler last week when he was at seven grand. So Hurts is my high-tier guy. Who's yours, Joe? Uh, I just want to say, yeah, I love the Hurts pick. Uh, I Honestly, you made me really struggle to find picks this week because I agreed with so many of yours. I think ultimately, I think I was able to find an alternate for all but one because there was one wide receiver that I just had to completely sign on with. But yeah, I love Hertz. Um, the other thing I'm realizing as you were recounting all of our pick, all of our picks from last week, is that I've I've really doubled down on a number of guys, and so one of those is Aaron Rodgers, who I believe is the exact same price as last week at seventy eight hundred. Yeah, he is. So he did not come through for me last week. I I know I talked about how he'd thrown for 280 yards or more in seven of his last eight games. And he had at least 23 and a half points in those eight games. So last week he was able to salvage it with a rushing touchdown. He got 18.3, but he threw 143 yards. So that that was like half of what his minimum had been for the last two months. But I expect a strong bounce back week because he's facing the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, one upside of the Titans is they should score enough points where there is a very low chance that this just becomes the Aaron Jones show. And also, the Titans are just horrible against the pass. They are 30th in passing DVOA. On defense, they're bottom five in yards and touchdowns allowed passing. They are dead last in sack rate, so Aaron Rodgers should have plenty of time to throw. Uh, per ESPN, only five teams have added more points to QB scores this year. They've given up a passing touchdown in every game, nine multi-passing touchdown games, and at least 260 passing yards for four straight weeks, and that includes a game against the Jaguars. 
So I think this is a big bounce back week for Aaron Rodgers. And I, I apologize. I haven't looked at your picks yet, but do you have any of the lower Packers receivers? Because that makes me wonder if maybe, you know, Vanda Scantling or Lazard is an interesting play this week when you hear how bad they are against uh, wide receivers. Um, I don't have any, but, you know, I think in that Packers offense, I don't, I don't think there's ever a bad week to throw a dart on one of those guys. Because, you know, I'm, we, we've seen it with all this scantling where, you know, he'll catch two passes and they'll be for 80 yards yeah. touchdown sometimes. So I, I never think those are bad plays. And I think especially this week, yeah, I think those are guys you can roll the dice on. I did have some other guys I thought I felt a little more confident in that they will score some points. But I think those are solid plays. And obviously Adams and Tanyan are good right. plays basically every week. So my middle tier guy, and this is something else me and Joe talked about earlier in the week, there's really a drop off after Brady. Uh, and I mean, not only that in price too, where it's weird. It's like you got a ton of guys and I think it's like 65 or 6,600 and above. And then everybody else is kind of cheap. Uh, but Baker Mayfield is 6,100 this week. He's at the Jets. Um, it's crazy to say this because, I mean, earlier in the year he looked awful, but over his last four games, he's averaging 26.5 points per game. To me, what's more impressive is 18.4 is the lowest he's had in those four games. So, it, he's, you know, he's getting into that, like, Phillip Rivers, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Jared Goff-type range where even his bad games are not, you know, terrible. I mean, that's what most of those guys average. And then he's facing a Jets secondary. They've given up 18 passing touchdowns in their last six games, 30 on the season. So they've been bad pretty much all year, but they've gotten worse as the year has gone on. I understand there's concern about the Browns running the ball most of the game, but I just think this is too good of a matchup with too good of a price. And the Browns have proven the last couple of weeks that they're dedicated to throwing. They're, they're going to run it, and then they're going to play action it. And Baker is so good on that play action. Guys like Higgins, uh, Landry, uh, what's the rookie people, Jones. I mean, they've got some good weapons, and he's really figured it out for whatever reason since OBJ's been out that at this cost against this team, I just think he's a good play. Yeah, I'm with you. He's he's looking like what you know Browns fans were hoping after that rookie season. That's what he looks like right now. And, and a number just, one pick, right? Which I always forget. Baker yeah. was number one pick in the draft. <laughs> it was such a surprise that they took him number one, which I, was a pick I supported. But it was still a surprise that yeah, you just kind of forget that that's what happened. It, it feels like collectively we've all just decided that Lamar Jackson was like the number one right. pick in our minds, even though. Every team, including the Ravens, passed on him. It's just kind of a bizarre memory thing. It's a sneaky good draft class, too, because you got Allen, oh, you got Baker, you got... Un- you know, unless you took Josh Rosen, it was a sneaky Arnold. <laughs> so thankfully, the Cardinals were able to rectify that the next year. Um, once again, I'm just, I'm going with what, this time with what worked last week, which is Tom Brady. Um, he has now thrown multiple touchdowns in He's eight 6, of his 6,600, right? Or is it 6, yeah, 6,800. 6, okay. So he's a little, little high on that 
mid tier, but I think he's like the twelfth most expensive. Well, that's what I was gonna say. He's not. I mean, if you look at it for all the quarterbacks, it's just you're either you're gonna pay a premium for like that top like fifteen yeah. guys, or you're gonna get a value with the guys that are not as consistent below. Right, like the the difference between our mid tier guys is seven hundred dollars, and there's only one QB in between them. Exactly. So uh, yeah, Brady, eight of his last nine now he's thrown multiple passing touchdowns. Ronald Jones is still out, so I expect them to lean even more on the pass. Um, he has five games now with at least three hundred and forty passing yards, which I forget exactly what the number is, but you pass three hundred yards, you get bonus points on DraftKings. And just a great matchup. Lions 28th in points against on DraftKings for QBs. Uh, they are 31st in passing DVOA, so one worse than the Titans. And only the Jaguars are worse, according to Football Outsiders. And we uh, often talk about just how awful that Jaguars pass D is. Uh, Lions also, like the Titans, very little pass rush, 28th in sack rate. Bottom six in passing yards and touchdowns allowed. Six straight games, over 250 passing yards. And in three of their last four games, they've given up at least three passing touchdowns. So this is a great chance for Tom Brady to have a field day. And we're going to see some of his receivers and tight ends coming up on our lists. And I, I love that it's in a dome. You know, when you get Brady's yeah. older, like I know used to you kind of want Brady in the element, in the weather. Now, as he's getting older, I like it when he's in the dome. We saw it last week in Atlanta where he, you know, granted he looked awful in the first half, but he looked fantastic in the second. Not that I haven't ever seen that before as a Falcons fan, but uh, <laughs> the uh, my low-tier guy, and it's like terrifying how much I like him. Uh, and actually, I should say I like all Bears this week, like all over the Bears this week. Mitch Trubisky's 5,700 at Jacksonville. They're all of a sudden back in the playoff hunt. The Jaguars are in, I don't know if you can call it the driver's seat, but they are in the position to where if they don't screw it up and they don't win a game, they're <laughs> going to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the Jets will forever, God, like if, to be a Jets fan right now, I just, I, I, I literally would not, I, I feel for him. That's all I can say as a Falcons fan, uh, to have a guy like that and to blow it. But uh, you get a quarterback who's playing better against a team that is just, awful on defense and now they have no incentive to win or play well like they have none like i just i mean even as a player i would be saying i know there's guys obviously fighting for contracts but if you're somebody that is secure that you know you're coming back next year i would much rather have trevor Lawrence on my roster now hey we might be a contender you know it's like the andrew yeah. luck type deal peyton manning uh again i just i like trubisky i like montgomery I like Robinson. I like Komet to a certain extent. And just remember, Trubisky has played well. I mean, he, he really has since he's came back. Now, him and Montgomery particularly have, you know, kind of thrived on bad defenses because they've had a run where they're playing these bad defenses, but they played well in all of them. And the only reason Trubisky didn't have a bigger game last week was just they had so much success running. I just think this Jaguars defense is so bad that Trubisky's going to do enough and the Bears offense is going to do enough that he's going to score points that at 5,700, he could have a good game. And then if, you know, say Robinson breaks a big one or it's a deal where they, you know, throw two, you know, passing touchdowns in the red zone where normally they give it to Montgomery, you can just see Trubisky have a really big breakout game. And at 5,700, you can't go wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird to say, but I, I'm with you that Trubisky is a great play this week. I mean, like I've been going through the list here with my picks where, yeah, Rodgers is against the 30th-ranked defense, according to Outsiders, against the pass. Brady, 31st, and then you have Trubisky against the dead-last Jaguars. So I really like that play. Um, my my alternate, because all, all these QB picks, I feel like I'm giving an alternate pick because I'm I co-sign all of yours as well. But uh, Matt Ryan at 5,800, he finally bounced back. He had a rough month. And then last week, put up 30 points, his second best game of the year. Um, to, to your point, I wish this game was in a dome yeah. instead of at Kansas City. And then obviously the expectation is Julio will not play. So there's there's definitely some things working against him. But what's working for him is the Chiefs are going to absolutely light up that Atlanta secondary. So he's going to have to fling it, as has tended to be the situation for the last few years in Atlanta. And people have found some success against the Chiefs. I mean, they're solid pass defense. They do have 16 interceptions, but they're ultimately 27th against QBs on DraftKings. Because they don't put teams away, right? It's almost like they let their foot off the gas or something. It's hard to believe because they, they're one of those teams, they get a big lead, and then at the end of the game, they look at the score and like, oh, it was close. But it really never and, was. And then three of their last six, we've seen a QB pass for over 300 yards and six straight games with multiple passing touchdowns. That includes Drew Locke and then Tua <laughs> over 300 yards and exactly. the two touchdowns, yep. which is on 48 attempts. So I think you could see a similar number of attempts for Matt Ryan this week. And I would expect at least a similar amount of success as Tua had. So I think, you know, he might he might throw a couple picks in this game, but I think there's a good chance you're getting 300 yards and two and three, two or three touchdowns. So that'll more than offset that. I originally had Ryan on my list and changed it just because I just I do I love the Bears. I've got their running back receiver. I even think I had the tight end. So why wouldn't I you know take the quarterback? We talked about that, but the frustrating thing as a Falcons fan this year is we've been close in a lot of games. Like, most of our losses have not been blown outs. Like, they really haven't. Yeah. I think our, our point differential is actually kind of crazy, where we've actually won most games by a lot and then lost a ton of close games. Because of that, Ryan hasn't been in the situation that you, you know, discussed, particularly last year where we were down so much, especially early, where it's just throw, 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 throw. He's running no huddle, which I've always said Ryan is the best in. I don't know why we don't run that pretty much all the time. Uh, but I just I see the Chiefs getting out to a big lead early, and I see Ryan in just absolute heave-it mode late, uh, which to me makes both Gage and Ridley interesting uh, guys this week, even though they don't rank well against Kansas City, at least with wide receivers against their defense. But I think both of them are good plays again this week. Uh, moving on to the running backs, again, I love the Bears this week. David Montgomery, 7,700. Joe has been all over David. I got to give him credit. We're both mad we didn't take him last week because, I mean, the two weeks before, you know, I, I scoffed at you two weeks ago for taking him on back-to-back <laughs> weeks. He exploded. Uh, he's had 27 or more points in four straight. He's also caught 13 passes on 16 targets in that span, so he's getting four pass attempts per game, too, which is really good for a guy that, both can hurt you on the ground and through the air. In just the last four games, the Jags' D has given up 650 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. 
This does not include the 20 receptions for 209 yards and touchdown. So they've given up 859 yards in four games to running backs. Again, Montgomery is expensive compared to previous weeks. He's probably going to be high owned. I don't care. I mean, he's 7,700 and he's been scoring 27 or more the last four weeks. And he's got the best matchup you can get maybe other than facing the Texans right now for a running back. So I'm rolling the dice with him. Now, if his, if he goes off this week and next week and the Packers are not a great, you know, run defense either, but he's in that like 8,000 range, that's probably when, okay, it's too much. There's too much of a chance for the David Montgomery, like seven point game that we've seen numerous times this season. But again, it's 7,700 when you look at what the other guys cost above him and below him. I'm all over. He's going to be in a lot of lineups for me this week. Yeah, I thought last week was finally the week where I was like, ah, you know, this isn't the best matchup. The Vikings, I feel like, have been taking advantage more of in the passing game. But he kept it going, so I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't see any reason to hop off now. Um, my... Uh, my top tier guy is a guy we didn't talk about last week, and then I think we ended up putting him in a lot of our lineups because Drew Brees came back, which is Alvin Kamara. And, you know, he disappointed a little bit. You know, 18.4, which is obviously, that's a solid game. And outscored Taylor, though, and he was only like, I think, what, 200 more? Yeah. So, you know, and that's the beauty of Alvin Kamara, obviously. He has two games all year or under 15 points. So, I mean, you know, you get the little cold symbol or the fire symbol on DraftKings. He's only had two cold games all year, and I'm, you know, a number of fire games. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect the offense, obviously, the offense looked rough early on last week. Drew Brees just looked out of sorts and kind of found himself over the course of that game. So I expect them to be functioning much better this week. Um, Minnesota, 24th against running backs. Uh, they're actually not bad against running backs in the passing game. They only give up 31 yards per game. But I think Alvin Kamara, obviously, if he gets the target, he'll find the yards. And the Vikings have been get, been getting gashed on the ground. Five straight games, at least 85 yards for running backs. Uh, four touchdowns on the ground over the last three weeks. And I just think, to me, I got Alvin Kamara, especially with Drew Brees in the lineup, and he's still under 8,000. Like, that, I, that's just a good play to me. It's like, would I rather spend $900 more on Dalvin Cook to face the Saints defense, which is number one against running backs? That doesn't make any sense to me. The, on, the only guy I would have above him this week is Derrick Henry, and he costs $1,700 more. So I, I love Alvin Kamara this week. And, I mean, if we're being honest, I love the Montgomery play this week. I would be more confident in Kamara for 200 more than I would Montgomery, even with the difference in the matchups. And I think we have to assume Breeze is going to play better. Because if he doesn't, I think they would probably make a swap, right? Like, they they can't go through another game where he looks like that. Um, It would be hard for him to look worse than he did in the first quarter last week. Like, literally, he just have to throw more picks. Because what, did he start, like, 0 of 7 with a pick or something like that? It was insane. While I was texting with you, I had a lineup in the millionaire where I had already had Jones Jr. go, Logan Thomas, Corey Davis. Uh, I had, like, five guys that had scored 24 or more. I had uh, Montgomery, 
And then I had Breeze, Sanders, and Hill going. And Breeze just, I mean, he killed me. So, he, you know, Sanders called that 51-yard pass in the second quarter. I thought, well, maybe. And then Breeze basically did nothing. I know he threw a couple garbage touchdowns. but So my mid-tier was kind of a cheat. But, I mean, it's my show. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, <laughs> I'm taking one of the Redskins running backs. I'm either taking Antonio Gibson at 6,600 or McKissick Jeez, at 6,600. The, the, the football team. Come on, man. The football team. God, I keep doing like, it. Every Don't week, watch. Keith. Every week. I swear to God, one of, by 2025, I realize they're not the Washington Redskins anymore. Uh, the Washington football team, I, I do. I like Gibson or McKissick, 6,600, 6,400. I mean, if they both play, I don't hate them, but whoever's starting, you got to roll with them. The Panthers are so bad against running backs on the ground, catching passes. It's something both of these guys do well. The Panthers give up 100 yards per on the ground and almost six receptions per game. McKissick has scored double figures in the last three weeks with Gibson out. Before that, Gibson had scored double digits in five straight. I'm going to play one of these two guys. If you're asking me what I would prefer for my fantasy lineups, I'd rather Gibson miss another game only because McKissick is a better pass catcher, which is what Carolina has been really bad against lately, and he's $200 cheaper. But Gibson, let's not forget how explosive he was. So if he's coming back, even with the toe deal against Carolina at 6,600, I think he's a great value as well. And he is not a bad pass catcher by any means. He's just not a, not a specialist, more like McKissick is. And then what's good for both, like Gibson also is getting the red zone carries, which is the other thing that I'd be happy about to wear with McKissick. Barber has been getting some of those red zone carries where he was not really getting them uh, with Gibson. But again, either one of these guys at 6,600 or 6,400, I'm all over. Just make sure you know which one is starting for the Washington football team. Yeah, honestly, I, I considered doing the exact same thing and just saying the Washington running back. <laughs> because, yeah, I, I think that is a good play. Um, I honestly, ha- this is one of those weeks, we've had a couple this year where the running back position, I'm kind of, I'm all in on the two, the two guys we talked about already in the high tier. And I think Austin Eckler, I'd throw in that situation as well. And then I looked through that mid tier and I was just like, man, I, I'm not big on any of these guys. Like they're fine. Like JK Dobbins is, a, you know, the giants run D is good, but I expect Baltimore to win that game. So Dobbins could be a good play, but he's also hasn't had a 20 point game all year. So it's hard for me to go, you know, for a $6,000 guy who hasn't had a 20-point game, you know, and then I got to Le'Veon Bell, and I was like, oh, he's the number one back now. But they've got other guys they might use. Atlanta's good against back. So I'm going all the way down to Leonard Fournette at 5,500 as my mid-tier. Again, Ronald Jones is out again last week. You know, Fournette went back-to-back week. Well, I guess one of those weeks was a bye, but then he was inactive. And then he got the start last week, 21 and a half points. He was, he was lucky, though. I mean, he had the two touchdowns where he got 12 points on just gifts, where the Tampa Bay offense basically got down to about the one yard and they handed it to him. But again, the Falcons that, are good against the run. Yeah, that, that, that's true. He did, his yards per carry was not good. He had 49 yards and 14 carries. But again... You know, he's a solid play in the past game. He had three Good receptions. So he would have had nine and a half points if he hadn't scored a touchdown, which right. 
Uh, he was 4,500 last week, so that would have been worth it on its own. And again, I think Detroit is just going to get destroyed in this game, so there's a very good chance he's going to get you know one of those one-yard handoffs again. And I mean, just to bring that home, Detroit has given up 25 touchdowns this year to running backs. <laughs> 17 on the ground, eight through the air. I mean, I don't think that surprises anyone that that is dead last in the NFL. Uh, they're also bottom five in rushing yards allowed. Again, I expect Tom Brady to light it up, but there, to me, there's no reason Fournette can't throw in 80 yards here, a touchdown, and then four receptions for 30 yards and get, you know, 22 points or something for you at 5,500. Well, I just think. He's also been a, a real receiving threat, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, he's been more of the receiving back in that offense earlier when they were doing more of a split. Obviously, Jones kind of took control of the backfield because he's just been a more dynamic runner. But, he's out, again, he's out this week. Fournette's getting the start on an offense that I would bet hard money is putting up 30-plus points. So, again, Detroit's. Dead last in touchdowns, 31st on DraftKings against running backs. I Yeah, I, I love Fournette. This week, I'm going to be – all my lineups are probably going to be one running back for $7,500 or more and then a back who's $5,500 or less. And I think there's a lot of options down there. I love the Fournette because, again, the matchup, a good offense. I think if the Bucks get up, you're going to see them run the ball more. Jones is not, like, injured. I mean, I know he has an injury tag, too, but once he gets off the COVID list, he's going to start playing again. So it's not like they're going to be worried of, you know, taking Fournette. They're probably going to see actually what they have in him if they get in that situation. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that I almost went for the low tier. Gaskins at 5,300 against yeah. the 28th-ranked defense. I mean, I, I don't even hate uh, Ahmad at 5,600 because we don't know if he's going to be, you know, the lead back, or if it's going to be right. Gaskins, but Gaskins that's, is such a pass catching back. That's why neither one ended up on my list because I was like, I like both of them on their own, but I just don't know the split there. But we do need to remember that Miami, when they can, they're going to run it. That's what they're going to yeah. do. So I think they both could actually be good plays. Uh, I like Kenyon Drake at 5,200. Uh, I like Wilson at 5,000. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this range, but Gio Bernard. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but he's 4,800 versus the Texans. And we know Mixon is out again. They've already announced that. It's looking like he's done for the year. Uh, and Bernard has not been great as a starter. Obviously, he had his best game last week, but he's facing a Texans run defense that they've given up a rushing touchdown in eight straight games. They've allowed 100 rushing yards in six of those eight. They've also given up 34 receptions to running backs in their last five for 290 yards and another score. Bernard is an above average pass catching running back. That is like what he does. I just think at 4,800, he's going to get a touchdown. Like I'm just telling you, they, it, it, it was almost shocking to see the way they moved it on Pittsburgh last week. It kind of makes you wonder why this guy was not the quarterback uh, originally because he was the backup most of the year. And then when Burrow went down, I don't know if they signed the other guy or, or, or if they made a different decision, but he also started some games last year for uh, Cincinnati. And again, I look back in those games, they had some success. 
in all those games. Bernard had three, four catches. You obviously saw what he did last week. Uh, the benefactors last year when uh, he was a quarterback were Boyd, the tight ends, Bernard. Uh, you know, he, he likes to obviously throw quick, short passes. He can't really throw it down on the field. And again, at 4,800, I think there's a chance for Mixon to do a lot like what he did last week. And I don't know, maybe since he keeps this game close, if they do, I think Bernard's value only goes up because the only concern would really be, obviously, if Houston gets really up big, uh, but you still have to fall back on he could catch a lot of passes in that situation. So uh, I hope Corey's not listening because he was like, man, I, you know, just when I thought you knew what you were talking about, I took Gio Bernard a few weeks ago and he had a bad game. But hopefully with this matchup, he's, he's not going to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, Gio's definitely been a guy who's frustrated us this year because I know there were a couple of games where we picked him and he did not show up. But I mean, I don't know what happened last week. Maybe just Pittsburgh's falling apart. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the better run defenses, and he put up numbers. And Houston is not a good defense as you've gone over. So I I think that's a solid play. This is this is one of the weeks where I think it's it's okay to go out on that limb. Although I, again, yeah, Corey's not going to agree. That's with us. almost seven receptions a game to running backs. That's why I think that yeah. like his floor. Is safe is they just they cannot guard running backs out of the backfield, and I mean even if he had seven catches for thirty yards, that's ten points with nothing else. Yeah, you you you've talked me into putting him into some of my lineups this week for sure. Um, my my lower tier guy, which you briefly mentioned, is Jeff Wilson at five thousand. Um, in the five games where he's seen twelve or more touches, he's averaged sixteen and a half points. Four of those games were double digits. And with Mostert out, he looks like he's going to be the guy. He saw 16 carries last week. Um, Arizona, you know, fourth on DraftKings. I think that's overrating their ability against running backs. I know on ESPN, they're more of a mid-tier. So, you know, not an amazing matchup. But what I like about it is that fourth ranking on DraftKings will scare people away from Wilson. Um, he's going to have the opportunity. No one designs runs better than Kyle Shanahan. And we know that they're going to want to run the ball as much as they can. They're going to want to keep the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands. And, and, you know, we've also mentioned, which I think Corey was the one who alerted us to this, is just San Francisco has been turning the ball over way too much, which is just all the more reason they're going to try and run because they don't want either. Is Beathard starting this week? Uh, it, it, it looks like that is going to be the case. So, I mean, either way, they don't want one of those QBs to have to fling the ball around. So I expect a heavy, heavy dose of Jeff Wilson. And he's shown that he's going to give you the double digit points when he gets those opportunities. So moving on to wide receivers, I'm going back to the wall. I know you said that you had some guys that, you're doubling down on Allen Robinson. I still think that he's one of the best plays with Trubisky, obviously at quarterback and with the defense that he's facing. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear one more Bears, but Robinson at 7,700. He let me down last week, but he just I mean arguably he has a better matchup this week than he did last. The Jaguars secondary has given up a touchdown to receiver in eight straight and over 200 yards in five of those eight games. Robinson is clearly the guy that is most likely to score that touchdown when it happens and get most of that yardage if they go over 200 yards because 
I think I saw a stat where no other Bears receiver has had more than 70 yards since like the third or fourth week other than Robinson. <laughs> and and last week he still managed to catch four of his five targets for 83 yards. So, I mean, if he added a touchdown on that, we wouldn't have been that disappointed. I mean, it would have been a 17-point game. I mean, 18-point game, obviously I would have wanted a little bit more. But he's obviously still the number one target for it. you got a terrible defense. And I just look at lately, especially early in games, teams have just pounded Jaguars, moving the ball down the field to their number one receiver. Uh, I, I think Robinson's going to score at least 20 points this week. And at 7,700, when you look at the cost of the more expensive guys above him, I think he's, you know, almost a must play, especially if you have Trubisky. Like, you have to stack those two if you're going with Trubisky. Yeah, I, I love that that stack right there. Um Honestly, when when you sent me your receiver list and I was looking over everything, I was like, I le- legitimately just wanted to copy all of your picks. I love, I absolutely love Robinson. Um, but when you get to your your next guy, I don't think it's any secret that we both love that guy. And, and remember that this is the one position that consistently all year, I, without a doubt, we have been all over. If we could start eight receivers, we would win every week. <laughs> that's true if if only um my mid-tier guy or my high-tier guy although again i to me Rob, robinson is the guy which is why i wanted to go with a lower price guy just to give people more of an option because i again just i'm all in on that robinson pick and we but, both uh, agree Rob- right that adams and hill are unbelievable plays this week but they're both nine grand Right. There's there's no week where we're anti-playing either of those guys. Well, I'm saying I they particularly have great matchups this week. We talked about how bad Carolina is the secondary. And obviously, Atlanta, I just think about Tyreek Hill. I mean, mm-hmm. good Lord. Like, he's going to have a big play against Atlanta. I can almost guarantee you he'll have a touchdown of 20 or 30 yards or more. Yeah. And, yeah, to, to be sure, there are some weeks where I'm like, I don't know if they're worth spending nine grand on. but. Yeah, this, this week, if if you want to splurge, absolutely, we, we co-sign it. Those are great matchups for both of them. Um, but, yeah, my, my guy going a little lower on the high tier is Robert Woods at 7,000. Um, the one thing I'll warn people is, again, the Seattle defense is not what they were those first month or two. Um, they actually haven't given up a touchdown to wide receivers in six weeks, which is insane. That's wild. And I like this game would have been a game I would have been all in on both offenses in September or early October. And now I'm a little worried it's going to be a defensive game. But I think there's good value with Woods at 7,000 because, you know, again, Seattle's been better. But I, I think the true quality of this defense is somewhere in between, you know, the last six weeks and the first seven weeks. And he's been the guy more so than Cup that's been getting really consistent targets, five straight weeks with at least eight targets, three of them double digits. Um, when, and when he misses, he never just absolutely murders your team. He's only had one game below 8.1, and even that was a six and a half. So if he has a bad game, it's not going to be like a three-point game. He's not just going to totally shit the bet on you. And again, they usually give him a carry, so that gives him a little extra value. And... Like, yeah, I'm trying to sell this, and I do like him at 7,000, but my, my main advice, honestly, would be splurge on Robinson 
or drop down to your next guy who I actually probably like even a little bit more than Robert Woods, to be honest. But again, I think if you're going to play that game, I, I would take Woods, especially with the, the difference in salary, over Metcalf this week. I think he's the number one receiver in that game. And so especially if you're playing you know, an afternoon lineup or something, I would look at Robert Woods. But I, w- I will say that if you're doing, if you're counting the Saturday game, I would drop down to your next guy, or go up to Robinson if you're doing a Sunday one. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel bad. I, I think I picked him now five weeks in a row. Uh, <laughs> but until they get up on his value, or he stops scoring twenty points, I'm going to keep doing it. It's Brandon yeah. sixty-seven hundred. He scored nineteen point seven or more in six straight. I mean, he has been a yeah. literally the focal point of most of my lineups for the last five weeks. And granted, two weeks ago, I had no success. But other than that, I have like one money each week. Uh, and he's been the main reason because he's in almost every lineup. Uh, he's, I, I think he's arguably the best value at any position. He has 69 targets in those six games, four touchdowns. He scored again 19.7, not only in the last six, but seven of the 11 games he's played. So he, I mean, if you think about it, he's, you know, what, over two-thirds of the time scoring basically 20 points. The Cardinals have given up 100 yards or more to opposing wide receivers in 13 of their 14 games. The Pats are the only team that did not hit the 100-yard threshold. As we've joked before, the Pats don't count when it comes to passing situations and statistics. Some of the teams that have hit well over 100 yards against this Cardinals uh, secondary with wide receivers, the Jets, Washington football team, Miami, and the Giants. Those are not murderer's rows of wide receivers. Ayuk is more talented than arguably any of the receivers on those teams, except for maybe Terry McLaurin. And again, Samuel is done for the year. Mozart's out. They've got injuries across the line at running backs. He's going to be the guy, because what I love about IU, he both catches a lot of passes short. So, I mean, he can have the game. We've seen it where he has like nine catches for 70 yards, and that'll get you 16, 17 points. Or he can make big plays, which is what he did. I believe it was in the Seattle game a few weeks ago where he only had like five catches for like 80 yards and a touchdown. So he can do it either way. I think, again, at 6,700, he has not quite reached that value. Unfortunately, I think after this week, and he has another good game, next week is going to be the first time you have to go, okay, is he really worth, you know, an Allen Robinson, a, a Justin Jefferson type value? Because he's going to get into that range. But I am all over IU again this week. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's he's been, I, I you know, I've, I haven't seen a, a hard number on this, but I have to assume he's a top five or six receiver over the last five, six weeks. Cause oh, for sure, yeah. Just the, and the consistency has been incredible, especially – Again, in that offense, which is, you know, like like we said, the quarterback's turning the ball over twice every week, and he's still just putting the numbers up. Um, I'm dropping all the way down to 5,700 for my mid-tier guy, which is Amari Cooper. Um, I, I think this is just one of those things where it's a great – last week was perfect, where he'd had – Four straight games with at least, or five straight games with at least 12 and a half points. Last week, he just puts up an absolute dud, 2.3 points against San Francisco. And so that dropped his value $700. And I love it because this Eagles defense has been hemorrhaging points to wide receivers lately. 
Uh, let's see. Five of their last six, they've given up at least 14 receptions, uh, at least 160 yards in all six. And they've given up six touchdowns to wide receivers in their last four games. So, and one of those games was against the Saints with Taysom Hill starting. So, like, people have been carving them up. Um, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know, well, was it last week or the week before where I went over, like, what Darius Slay has given up to number one wide receiver? Two weeks ago, yeah, it was incredible. And then it it played off that week with Hopkins. Yep. So, again. Oh, no, it was last week. You're right. All right. So, yeah. So, I I think it's something like five weeks in a row now he's given up at least, like, six receptions, 80 yards, and, like, a touchdown, like, every week. So, and, you know, I I think the Eagles are going to put up some points on this Dallas defense, too. We hope so. We're going to be playing Jalen Hurts in lineups. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, I I do not – if there's a defense that's going to slow – the Eagles down. I do not expect it to be Dallas, which me and then what Zeke's probably out again, right? If he is, I also like Pollard. He was somebody I didn't I don't yeah. know if you have him on your flex, but if Zeke is out, I mean with what Pollard did last week, it's a pretty good run defense and he's a good pass catcher. Yeah. Um, you know, it may look like Zeke might have been more of the issue than the Dallas offensive line. I I do not dis I'm I'm with you. I I'm I'm not a big Zeke guy just in general because I just don't like this person. But <laughs> I also I still think that was a huge mistake. They should have taken Jalen Ramsey. Um, but I'm super happy that they're tied into 15 million dollars a year for him for like. Well, it's a lot of miles. I mean, the one thing I, I try to tell people about Zeke is like he's been so consistent and on the field. Like I know he got suspended for that period, but other than that, yeah. he's played every game and had like 25 to 30 carries. And we know how these guys like. And we don't ever know when it's going to happen, but they just hit a cliff. It happens quick. Yep, usually. and then it's just like, oh, my God, this guy can't run anymore. Chris Johnson ran for like almost 2,000 yards four or five years in a row, and then all of a sudden he was out of the league. It happens. So Pollard is still pretty cheap this week. I would look at that if Elliott is 100% out. Yeah, so, yeah, if, if Elliott's out, I like Cooper even more, but right. I like I like him no matter what. And then, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. you got to look at Pollard, especially after last week. He's – He's been the more impressive running back. Given, uh, granted, obviously that can happen. We, you know, we've seen with Chase Edmonds, where sometimes the guy who gets fewer carries looks better until he has to carry the ball more. But I, I don't, I don't really see any reason to think Pollard's outside of their want to feed Zeke, so he'd get more carries. I actually don't know that Pollard's a noticeably like different play than Zeke. Uh, it's I, just with way less value. Yeah. Yep, and looks uh, more explosive. Um, we had the same low tier, who to yes. me, again, he's going to be extremely high owned. I don't care. Before we do that, I want to give one more bonus one since we're technically only given five wide receivers in this class. Tyron Johnson for the Chargers playing Denver. He is in the last two weeks had 12 targets, turned into nine receptions for 126 yards and two touchdowns. He's $4,000 against a Denver secondary that is banged up. It's yeah. not very good when it's not. Herbert has been incredible at home. Again, he's done more than Mike Williams with Williams in the game the last four weeks than Williams has because he had the 1.1 game against New England. That was a terrible game. The two weeks before that, he had 
Against Buffalo, two receptions for 63 yards. And against the Jets, one reception for 50. The game he played before that, he had one reception for 50. The game he played before that, he had one reception for 53 yards and a touchdown. I think they figured out this guy's pretty good, and he's explosive. I mean, he scored a touchdown in three of the six games he's played and is averaging 37 yards per catch. Uh, he is somebody that if you like Herbert, which I do this week, uh, as one of the guys we didn't give, I would definitely stack Herbert with Johnson. It's only like 1100 to do so. Uh, excuse me, it's 11400 and you can start a lineup pretty well with that. But anyway, the, the low-tier receiver, we both have them. Marvin Jones Jr., we, I, I call Joe, and I'm like, this has got to be a misprint. He's 4900 versus Tampa. Galladay appears to be done for the year. He's still not practicing. I mean, that made a statement, but why, I don't know why they'd bring him back. Jones in his last four games, 44 targets, 28 receptions, 324 yards, and two scores. He's averaging 17.1 points per game in that span. And then there's this Bucks secondary. <laughs> in a four-game stretch, this is just to wide receiver. They have given up 76 receptions for 1,007 yards and seven touchdowns. This includes a game against the Vikings where the receivers had seven receptions for 78 yards. So if you think about that, that means in the other three games, they've given up 69 receptions to over 900 yards just to wide receivers. Jones Jr. is the number one target. We talked about it. Yes, there's a chance Stafford doesn't play. I don't care. Jones Jr. versus this secondary right now at 4,900, he should be in basically every one of your lineups that you can put him in. He will be in every one of mine. I know that it depends on if you're playing like early, full day, Friday to month, you know, that kind of deal. But this is a must play. And we talked about we think Tampa Bay is going to move the ball at will. That means just more throwing situations. There is no reason not to play him. Joe, I know you agree with me. A hundred percent. He is, considering the price tag, he is the play of the week to me. And I, I don't even know that it's close. And, again, I really love, you know, a, a number of the guys we've talked about. But, I mean, again, like you said, this Tampa Bay defense has been getting absolutely lit up. Um, I, I, again, I'm just lost at this ranking. Um, he went down. Right. Jake Seeley, who's probably my favorite uh, fantasy guy for the athletic. He has him as the number 15 wide receiver this week, right between Terry McLaurin and Adam Thielen. And I don't think that's like that. He's not the outlier ranking there. This DraftKings one is. And just to drive home, you went over a lot of the stats. But uh, last four weeks, he has five end zone targets. That's tied for eighth in the league with, with Devontae Adams. And just, just as a side note, the guy who's tied for first is Allen Robinson with eight end zone targets the last four weeks. So, again, Allen Robinson, awesome. But so Marvin Jones, though, tied for eighth in end zone targets. And then in air yards, which, again, is just how far the pass travels before it gets to you. He is first in the league with 741 air yards the last four weeks. The only other guy over 600 is Calvin Ridley. Like, he's getting deep passes. He's getting end zone passes. Like, he's, he's a legit, I don't know, again, we've seen him go for 28 and 30 in two of the last three weeks. 
Like he's a legit wide receiver, like low end wide receiver one right now. And he's going for 4,900. I do not understand it at all. Like you said, I expect he's going to be very heavily owned in whatever kind of contest you're doing, but I don't care. I just don't see that there's, I I would take him over any other wide receiver within Mike Evans is probably the next like lowest guy that I would maybe take. Oh, and I got a bunch to say about Mike Evans in just a few minutes. So. Yeah. So, and that's a difference of twelve hundred dollars. There's no one in between Mike Evans and Marvin Jones Jr. that I would not, where I wouldn't take Jones Jr. over. Them. And Jones Jr. is the number one receiver by a mile in that offense, to where Evans at least has to compete with Godwin. You know, Gron- like there's other guys, Brown. It's it's it, he should be in your lineups um, again. Even if you're just throwing him in a flex, I when I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like what running backs I would even take over. Oh, him. there's not at 49. There's no one near. And it, yeah, it's like I'd rather have him than any running back. I don't know under six some thousand too. Just like the wide receivers, like I I think his value is absolutely insane. Play Marvin Jones Jr. And yeah, again, I'll also I've we've got a bunch of Tampa Bay guys. We literally have a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end that we're going to talk about over the course of this podcast. So there, we expect a lot of points for Tampa Bay, which just means more opportunity for Marvin Jones. And it's why I really think you should do Saturday lineups. Like you, you need to make sure that your lineup either starts on Friday or yeah. Saturday because there's a lot of guys I like in the three games on Saturday. And if you go just to Sunday, I mean, I think there's only nine, ten games Sunday. Uh, or is it, excuse me, five? Actually, there's, yeah, there's ten games Sunday. And uh, the Viking Saints are a ton of players I love, but I love guys uh, from those Saturday games. So be sure to do that when you set your lineups. Moving on to tight end, um, again, I'm so disappointed in us, Joe. We were all over Logan Thomas this year early, and he did pay off. Like, he had a couple of good games for us, but we jumped off right when he went nuts. Like, right when he went nuts. And I still can't believe he's only 4,900. Like, I, I, it's kind of like with the uh, the Jones deal. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. He has – let's see here. He has been the number one target for the Washington Posting game over the last six games. He scored double digits in seven of his last nine. And just over the last three games, he has 31 targets. He's facing a Panthers D that gives up six receptions for 60 yards to tight end. They've given up over their last six, 40 receptions for 482 yards and four touchdowns to a guy that just has been getting peppered with targets as of late. And I like I said last week, he ended up kind of making – my day because he scored 26.1. He had 13 receptions for 101. But what's crazy is like these point totals 26.1, 10.3, 24.8. So in the last three weeks, his low game has been a 10.3. Actually, his last four, he had 13.4 before that. So a 10.3 was his low game, which with tight ends, we talked about how they're crapshoot. Normally, you spend over 5000 to get a guy that's averaging over 10 points. He's now up to averaging 11 points per game, and he's had as big of a game as just about anybody not named Kelsey or Waller, and it's damn near close at 24.8 and 26.1. 
They're two out of the last three, and this is a better matchup. Uh, and the only issue would be is if Washington dominates Carolina's offense and then they run it a lot. But I think even then, Thomas does enough. With the last three games, he has 31 targets. Uh, Logan Thomas, 4,900 is my top tier tight end. Yeah, I I love that pick. It's just yeah, what what a frustrating season with Logan Thomas for us, dude. Just son of a bitch. It's just awful timing on our part. But I mean, yeah, good for Washington fans. Um, he is one of the many tight ends who would have been a better choice for the Pro Bowl than Evan Ingram in the NFC. But that's that's another story. Um, again, another guy, I'm just going back to the well here, TJ Hawkinson at 4,600. Um, I, last week I was talking him up. I was like, he's due for the explosion game. He's had four straight weeks with, you know, heavy targeting, at least seven targets. He's getting, he was finally getting the yardage. He just hadn't been getting the touchdowns. And then two receptions for 18 yards last week. And I, I believe... He lost a fumble in that game too, so it was it was pretty. To our great. benefit, though, because he dropped down to the lowest I think he's been all year, right? Um, let's since he had one two get two games all year, he's been lower than this, and one of those was week one. So, and I mean, again, the thing though that I love about him, granted, you know, last week proves that you know, obviously, no one who's not. Travis Kelsey, there's no tight end besides him who's immune to just a stinker of a game. Well, don't even forget Kelsey had a game this year where he scored like seven points. So, I mean, it, it happens. And obviously that, that hurts a lot more when you're spending seven. Exactly. Now, yeah. now 8,500. Yeah. Insane. But, uh, you know, ESPN does consistency ratings for every position. And so for tight end, they rate your, your starting percentage as the percentage of games where you're a top 10 tight end. Only, again, when I've said this, only Kelsey and Waller have been more consistent. Kelsey's been a top 10 tight end 93% of the time. Waller's at 64%, so obviously a huge drop there. Hawkinson's the only other guy over 50%. So, again, he's one of the most consistent guys. Uh, he's in a game where, again, Galladay's out, and that just means, Joe, obviously, Jones Jr. has seen a huge boost. But outside of last week, Hawkinson has been seeing a he much heavier number of targets. Uh, let me pull up the tight end numbers on Tampa Bay. And then, I mean, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just at a loss here where just, just play the, honestly, you just play Detroit and Tampa Bay players. Just do that. Like, what kind of lineup are you getting if you just combine those two? Like what, be a shootout. Right? You can get a running back for 5,500. You can get, again, we've got a guy at every single level for the Bucks. Um, the last few weeks, tight ends have been very successful against Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, we saw eight receptions for the Rams, who, again, their tight ends have not been that productive this year. Um, Kelsey went off, not surprisingly. Vikings. Nine receptions, 103 yards, touchdown. Falcons, that's been a pretty inconsistent tight end play there. Six receptions, touchdown. And again, the opportunity is going to be there because they're going to have to fling it. Again, even if Stafford's not playing, I, I wouldn't downgrade Jones Jr. or Hawkinson much. And I, yeah, this is the top five tight end who's dropped down to $4,600. So 
I mean, I like Grant, Lo, him or Logan Thomas in this like kind of mid four thousand range. Like, obviously, there's nothing against nothing ever against Kelsey at eighty five hundred, but you're gonna save about four thousand dollars going with one of these guys. And well, we're gonna go with Kelsey when we get to the high tier flex because I, I I think <laughs> he, he's worth it this week. Uh, Schultz is my middle tier at thirty two hundred. Another one of those guys that we talk about how difficult tight end is if you're not taking, you know, the, basically the expensive route. He scored eight or more in five of his last seven, including an 11.3 outing against Philly earlier in the year where he had five catches for 63 yards. The Eagles have been consistently bad against the tight end. They've given up five catches per game for 54 yards per and eight touchdowns. In just their last three games, they've given up 15 receptions for 223 yards and two touchdowns. I think that's partly because their offense is getting better with Hurts in it. So the games are more competitive where teams are having to either throw because they're down or throw more because they're not just trying to run out the clock. I think that's going to be the case again this week. Actually, think this could be a really entertaining and high-scoring game. Uh, and I just – Schultz and then the guy below – are both low-priced guys who I think with the matchups, they have a low floor this week where you're going to get at least six to like eight, nine points with both of these guys, and they have the potential with these matchups to just go haywire for practically nothing at 3200 and $3,000. Yeah, I, I, I do enjoy trying to figure out the tight ends just because it's fun to try to figure out what $3,000 guy is going to go off because – because so many of them are priced in that level, it's like guaranteed every week you're gonna there's gonna be that guy who can just win you a bunch of money if he's in your lineup. Um, my my mid tier guy is Rob Gronkowski. Um, his value has gone precipitously down the last couple of weeks. He went from forty eight hundred to forty two. Now he's all the way down at thirty six. But I think the, the important thing to remember with him is obviously you know he's been up and down this year, but He's got the built-in chemistry with Brady. And even last week, he only had those, the 5.9 points, but he had seven targets. He's seeing the ball consistently. And I kind of, again, I kind of like when you can find a matchup you like where the DraftKings rating is going to steer people away from it. Detroit has been pretty good against tight ends this year. They are fifth on DraftKings against tight ends. But I just think they're the... Chances that Gronk scores a touchdown, I think, are pretty high. He saw three end zone targets last week, and again, he didn't score. And if you're going to consistently see those type of targets, eventually you break through. He is six over the last four weeks. The only guys who've seen the ball more in the end zone over the last month are Allen Robinson and Calvin Ridley. So Brady, as he has always done, he's looking for him. And if you if you just get a touchdown at 3600, it's like you're set. Like you don't need anything else. That's seven points with the reception right there. And then PFF, again, I don't put quite as much stock into the tight end matchups because depending on how teams choose to cover a guy with a safety or linebacker can change. But they have Gronk as the biggest advantage this week against safety J. Ron Curse for the Lions. At 57%, and then that's, that compares the two grades of the guys. And then the next highest is Kelsey at 36%. So they see a very big advantage for Gronk in this game. And, I mean, it's, the hard part is predicting who's going to score touchdowns in this Tampa Bay game 
but there's going to be four or five of them. So I, I like the odds that Gronk can get one in this game and give you really good value at 3,600. So for the low tier, you just got to go to the Chicago Jacksonville game. There's actually two guys you can take for three grand. I love them both. Tyler Eifert is three grand. The Bears are horrible against tight end. Eifert has had over the last, what, six games, 10, 14, 18, 24, 27. He's had 30 targets, so he's averaging five targets a game. He scored eight or more points in uh, three out of or four out of his last six. Again, he's only scored one touchdown in that time frame. I think he's going to score a touchdown. This could be a good chance to do it, particularly with how well we think the Bears are doing. But my official play is Cole Komet, the other tight end in that matchup. 3K, I said I love Chicago guys. He he really did disappoint us last week in what we thought was a good match. But remember, the Bears didn't throw very much in that game at all because they were having so much success on the ground. The Jags give up almost 13 yards per reception. And despite only allowing four receptions per game to tight ends, they've given up 11 touchdowns on the season. That's kind of unbelievable if you think about it because that means, what would it be, 40 and then uh, 60. So that's 56 receptions have led to 11 touchdowns. So basically one out of every five throws is a touchdown to a tight end. Uh, they've given up a touchdown to a tight end in eight of their last 12. Komet has a great chance to score if he gets to double digits at 3,000, just like Tyler Eifert, which he easily can against his defense. Again, just like Eifert, I think that that's a great way to build a winning lineup because you spent nothing on a tight end. You're going to get more than most people who are playing a tight end. You know, I mean, most weeks it's you're, you're happy to get seven, eight points I think both Komet, who is my official play, and Eifert, do not forget about, who is also 3K, are both great plays. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, obviously Komet did not come through for us last week, but I, I think as long as he's getting targets, again, in games where they do pass the ball, I think he's going to be a great value. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in on that one. Uh, the guy I'm going with, though, is my low tier is Austin Hooper at 3,500. Um, back in weeks four through six, he had three straight games of 10 plus. Then he missed a few weeks, kind of struggled to get back into the offense. Last week, he finally came through five receptions, 41 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. Got 15 points against my Giants, who have been reasonable against tight ends this year. Although, God, I, I, I have his touchdown just burning in my brain because they just completely lost back of the end zone, which you gotta love it when your team plays on national TV gets the, the Sunday night game. It just gets messed up, but it happens. Yeah. As we both, I've been there. This jets matchup is the matchup you want for a tight end. They're dead last on DraftKings in points against tight ends. Um, to, to the point you were just making all the only team that's given up more touchdowns to tight ends than the Jacksonville Jaguars is the New York jets. Uh, 13 touchdowns, two tight ends this year. Five straight games they've given up a touchdown. Two of those were multiple touchdown games. Uh, in that stretch, every, the tight ends had at least four receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown again for five straight weeks. This is just an off, generally awful defense, much like the Jags, but they're especially awful against tight ends. 
And to your point earlier, Baker Mayfield has just been on fire lately. I think, you know, eventually this could turn into a game where they're just pounding the run in the second half. But in that first half, I could easily see Hooper getting a touchdown, Baker lighting him up for 160 yards. I think he's a really cheap guy to pair with Baker Mayfield. Like that, that's $9,600 between those two. And that really frees you up to do whatever you want with the rest of your lineup. And ironically, I have another guy uh, in the flex that you can pair with Baker that is also cheap. Uh, and it's actually what I bring up in my notes. But moving on to the flex, uh, I, I feel very confident about all three of these picks. I mean, obviously, I, I hope I feel confident about all of them. I wouldn't give them to you guys, but I like all these plays. I really do. Kelsey, my top tier, 8,500 versus Atlanta. He scored 22 or more in six of his last seven 22 or more in nine of his 14 games. He's had eight or more receptions in seven straight. Kelsey's had seven targets or more in 12 of 14 games and double-digit targets in eight. The Falcons have nine games that they've given up six or more receptions to tight ends. That's not good. Uh, 19 (laughs) receptions in their last three games and nine touchdowns on the year. The Falcons have been better against the pass slightly since Morris took over for Dan Quinn, but it's really only because they don't give up quite as many huge plays. But you can still hit 10 to 15-yard passes, particularly over the middle, all day on the Falcons. All day. Uh, That's good for Kelsey. And I think with the fact that the Falcons are good against the run. The Chiefs rookie running back, Edwards Hilaire, is out. It means that Mahomes and company is going to throw even more. Kelsey is a great play, especially when there is three receivers who cost more than him this week, and he averages the same amount of points per game. It's all except for Adams, who averages about four more, but is almost $700 more. Uh, Kelsey... I love Hill, too. Don't get me wrong. I love Hill. I love Kelsey. I actually like Watkins. Like, I don't mind throwing at five grand, putting Watkins in a lineup that you're looking for a flyer, maybe in, like, the millionaire. But Kelsey is going to have at least six to eight receptions. We know from history that means that he's probably going to score a touchdown. He's probably going to get to 20 points. And there is a chance against this Atlanta team, particularly if they keep it close, that Kelsey could have a monster, monster game because Hawkinson had one of his best games of the year against this team. Uh, uh, Jimmy Graham had one of his best games of the year against this team. Ryan Tanyan had his best game of the year against this team. Those guys are not Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is going to eat. I love Travis Kelsey. That's my top-tier flex play. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's really been true all year, and I've been slow to pick up on, which is that just the tight end value. Can be that can be like a cheat code almost because again, like you said, you're you're getting the same production at a discount with him. So I I do like that play, and he's more consistent than the other guys. He doesn't quite have the you know the big games that those guys have, but yeah. he's always in that like twenty to twenty seven point range, which you need a few of those to have any chance to win. Yeah, so my uh, with you all the way. My high tier flex is DeAndre Hopkins, so another guy where I'm going back to the well. Um, one of the key things, if you're you're spending $8,000, you want a guy who can go off. He has seven games this year where he scored 25 points. Uh, three straight games where he's had at least eight receptions. 
and and at least 11 targets. Uh, the last two weeks, he's gone over 130 yards. So obviously, he's really he had a little bit of a lull in the middle of the season there, but he's back firing on all cylinders. I think Murray looks healthier the last couple of weeks. He looked great right last week. And uh, the San Francisco defense, 13th against wide receivers on DraftKings. But I think one of the key things is when you look at them, they've had a couple of just amazing shutdown weeks. Uh, against the Saints and Washington, they gave up a combined 12 receptions for 102 yards in those two games to wide receivers, which brings your the their overall ranking way down which is important for them because they've also, over the last two months, had three games where they've given up at least 210 yards and three touchdowns to wide receivers. So that was the Seahawks, Packers, and Bills. So we've seen when they face an actual high-powered passing offense with a good quarterback and an elite wide receiver, they've gotten torn up. So I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to do the exact same thing that we've seen Adams, we've seen Metcalf, we've seen Diggs do. He's going to go off this week. I I like Calvin Ridley this week too, but I like Hopkins and he's cheaper. Um, if you're yeah, if you're not drop again, hard to spend the money as good as they are with Adams and Hill because you're reaching for nine thousand. So if you're not doing that, I think he's right there with Allen Robinson as like those guys that you're you have you're potentially getting the same prediction production that Adams and Hill might give you, but you're not going to just absolutely destroy your bank. He proved last week with a 34-point game. I mean, most of the lineups I had the most success in. I stacked him and Murray because I was, you know, yeah, all that, over Murray. That was my best lineup, too. It was expensive, but it was worth it because I mean, it ended up being almost 80 points between those two guys. The mid-tier guy, Mike Evans, 6,100. Earlier this year, I called the Will Fuller breakout game. Uh I've only picked Tyreek Hill one game this season. It was a game he scored, you know, 60 points. So I feel like I've had a good track record on calling out huge games by talented wide receivers. Evans only has four games with 20-plus points, and his highest total on the year is 28.2. That's all the way back in week four. However, if you look, his targets are way up. He has 42 targets over the last five games. He didn't have that many targets in his previous seven games before that. In 10 games this season, the Lions have given up 175 yards or more just to wide receivers, six games with multiple touchdowns, and 240 yards or more to receivers in four of their last six. Evans is a guy, if we remember, before this year, he was infuriating because he would have a game where he would score like 35-40, and then he'd have a game where he scores four or five. What I like is this year he's actually been more consistent with Brady where, yes, he's had some bad games, but he's been scoring at least like 7 to 12 points in those games. He's had a lot of games in the mid-teens where he's had like the 15 to 18-point games. He is so due for a big game. This is a perfect matchup for it. And I love his value because 6,100 for a guy that has the ability to have a Devontae Adams, to have a Will Fuller, to have a, you know, Calvin Ridley type game is nothing. And I mean, obviously Joe talked at length earlier about how bad Detroit is against the pass. I just have a hunch. This is a big week for Mike Evans. He's going to be in pretty much all of my lineups. Yeah. I really like Evans. If you're, 
I, I think you could roll the dice on any wide receiver in that offense, especially as we saw Antonio Brown finally kind of broke through last week. But if you're picking one, I think Evans is definitely the guy. I like that one a lot. Um, like I said, with your wide receiver picks, I've generally been trying to like find cheaper alternatives because I just love your picks this week. So a guy I like is Emmanuel Sanders at 5,200 for my mid-tier. Uh, Michael Thomas is out for at least the rest of the regular season, so that ups Sanders to the number one wide receiver in this offense. You know, his production's been solid the last few weeks. He's seen at least five targets all three weeks. Uh, he's been double digits the last two. It and, wasn't his fault that Brees sucked last week. Right. Again, Brees was awful last week, and he was still able to carve out 76 yards, give you 11.6 points. I expect Breeze to be better. Um, this Minnesota defense has been one where I'm on, I think this is another defense we've talked about when you look at the passing game where teams have consistently been able to take advantage of them. Um, there has been, they've given up at least 10 receptions to wide receivers in every single game this year. There've only been two games where they didn't give up a touchdown to wide receivers. Uh, five, Five straight, yeah, with a touchdown. They've had five games where they've given up multiple touchdowns to the wide receivers. Uh, PFF has Sanders matchup with Chris Jones as the fifth biggest advantage for a wide receiver this week. Oh, I like hearing that. So, and I got $5,200 for a guy who's a number one receiver in his offense now facing a defense that has not been good against wide receivers. And again, I, you know, I think the only way he doesn't give you at least a solid game is if Drew Brees is awful. Um, I, I don't think Drew Brees is Drew Brees anymore, but I still think he's a capable quarterback, and I expect him to be a lot better and for Sanders to take advantage of it. I'm all over that, agree with everything you just said. Uh, and, you know, I just think that that's a smart play because you're getting a number one receiver at 5,200. Uh, my low-tier guy, Rashard Higgins, 4,800 against the Jets. I talked about why I like Baker earlier. Higgins is someone I'm going to stack with him. Like, if I use Baker, I'm going to stack him with him because you can have Baker and Higgins for under eleven grand. And when you can have a quarterback and a guy that's been putting up these kind of numbers, I mean, he's, you know, yes, he's a number two receiver, but he's a good number two. He scored double figures in three straight. He's caught a touchdown pass in two or three. Jets have given up 150 or more to wide receivers in seven of their last game, eight games, and in that time, 11 touchdowns, so that's well over a touchdown per game. Again, Higgins and Baker, 10,900, could allow you to load up at other positions. We talked about a lot of expensive guys we like this week. I could put, like, Kelsey maybe and Logan Thomas in a lineup with those guys. Uh, there's a lot of ways to go. I love Rashard Higgins, 4,800. Uh, and the other one, again, even though – Herbert was not somebody that I picked. I do like putting Herbert with Johnson uh, in some lineups as well, where, again, you're around that same value. And, again, maybe you could, you know, put Kelsey and, you know, Robinson in the lineup, or you can put uh, Devontae Adams and, you know, Evans in the lineup. You have, you have the ability to do some stuff. Yeah, I like that one a lot, too. I mean, yeah, if you just <sighs> – Cleveland's another team where, based on the values, you can really do some interesting stuff with them because, yeah, you could go super cheap with Higgins and Hooper and combine them with Mayfield. You can also combine one of those guys with Chubb 
So no matter what way that game plays out, you should get a lot of points. I, I really like that play this week. Uh, my lo- Generally on the flex guys, I've been increasingly leaning towards wide receivers just because of the PPR value. But this week, my low-tier guy, I like Daryl Henderson at 45. Um, Seattle's not awful against running backs. They've been pretty pretty solid. They've But they have given up 15 touchdowns, so there's opportunity there. We have seen them occasionally get gashed. I mean, the Giants ran all over them for 188 yards and six and a half yards per carry. So we know it's doable. And what I like about Henderson is when he was the starting running back earlier this season, he put up three 20-point games in a four-week span. So this is a guy who's shown he can give you big plays, and he's only going to cost 4500 Again, Akers is out. So my expectation, I'm sure Malcolm Brown will be involved. But based on what we've seen this year, I don't see any reason to not think Henderson's getting two-thirds to three-quarters of the carries in that backfield. And I, I could also see them trying to – Any the better pass catcher, too? Um, I don't know. He's done okay this year. He's had five games with multiple receptions. And, again, that's in a backfield where – He's been splitting time with two other guys. Right. So Henderson's capable there. I don't know what Malcolm Brown looks like there, but that has been one of the better ways to take advantage of this Seahawks defense. They give up six receptions for 44 yards. So especially if he's the – I'll, I'll have to double-check that while we go through defenses, but if he is the primary receiving back with Akers out, then I like this pick even more. And, again, even if not, He's had a number of big plays this year in that run game. And, you know, they're always trying to, in subtle ways, trying to minimize the amount that Goff is exposed. So I think they're uh, going to... remind everybody last week why it's never a bad idea to take a defense playing him. It's, it's true. So the defenses, and again, we don't spend a lot of time on this uh, for obvious reasons because, I mean, it's defenses. Last week was a prime example. I don't know if any defense uh, was great last week. There was so much scoring. It was incredible. Uh, the Bears are actually the first defense that I feel comfortable about. And, and if you haven't noticed, I like to go low on the defenses. I rarely, unless I just feel like, okay, there's no way this team's going to move the football. And after last week with the Rams, it just it proved my point even more. That, you know, you, you don't feel it. And Steelers, you're right. Look at the top two defenses price-wise, and they were awful. They were horrible. So the Bears at 3,600, again, I love the Bears. Uh, this is just a no-brainer to me. Jags are trying not to win. The Bears have to keep winning to uh, keep their playoff hopes alive. The Jags have turned it over 25 times on the year and allowed 37 sacks. The Bears have 15 takeaways and 33 sacks. At 3,600, I think this is a safe play to where you could, you know, the floor is probably four or five points. And there's a chance for a boom game. Obviously, if this gets out of hand, the Bears have always been one of those defenses that seem to find the end zone a lot. Uh, Washington at 3,000, I'm not scared off because they had no sacks last week and they just didn't look quite as good. But they still slowed down a good Seattle uh, offense. Washington has scored three or more points in eight straight games with four double-digit games during that span. If you had San Francisco last week and saw that negative two and lineups where you were close to cashing, Getting three or four points is huge. Like, I promise you, it makes a difference. The Panthers have given up three or more sacks in four of their last seven. Washington has three or more sacks 
in uh, <laughs> seven games this season. The Panthers don't turn it over a lot, so that is an issue. But if Washington gets to get pressure and they get to sacks, that could always lead for fumbles, fumble recurs for touchdowns. So I like Washington at 3,000. And then a the defense, Joe's been all over. And I got to say, I don't know why they keep going down, but Seattle is 2,600 versus that guy, Jared Goff, and the Rams. I was going to go with the Eagles as my low tier. I really like them a lot against the Cowboys. Their defense has been on fire lately. They get a lot of pressure. You know, obviously Andy Dalton could potentially turn it over. But at 2,600, the Rams have had a turnover in every game this year. Every game since week eight, the Seahawks have eight takeaways and 31 sacks. Eight takeaways and 31 sacks. At 2,600, there's great value. And again, the potential, because we saw what Jared Goff can do when he has a bad game. At 2,600, they can go nuts. Uh, I love Seattle at 2,600. I do, though, like Philly at 2,900 as well. Yeah, I, I really like all those picks. Um, looking through, God, I, I do like the Ravens against my Giants this week at 4,000, but well, I'll drop down a little. I, I like Cleveland against the Jets just because the Jets, I mean, I know they looked solid last week, but in general, just really awful, as we all know. And Cleveland's been a defense that's really taken advantage when they've faced offenses that are just falling apart. Uh, against Haskins earlier this year, 14 points. They had five turnovers in that game, three sacks. Uh, they got Philadelphia while Carson Wentz was still playing. That was a three-turnover, five-sack game. So I think this is another one of those games where they're going to get multiple turnovers. You're going to see three or four sacks. I think that's just a solid play at 3,700. So you're going a little bit cheaper than the top ones. Uh, like you said, too, I last week it really was like I had put the Steelers in one of my lineups, and it was just like, what a waste. <laughs> I just think it proves my point, and it's something with Corey. I know he's not here to talk about it, but I've noticed that he'll take some of the defenses down at the very bottom. Like, if he just sees a team that he knows turns the ball over yeah. fairly consistently, he'll take a team. And, like, I have to give him credit. He said he liked the Jets last week. And mm. I actually put them in a couple of lineups, oh, and wow. they scored points. Uh, it just – and his point was golf turns it over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, why not? And the Jets have some time. I mean – Every team in the league has talent. We saw it with Cincinnati on Monday. So I really do recommend getting that kind of mid to low tier. Take a flyer. Now, there is, you know, matchups where it's just like, okay, this is too good to be true. Like early in the year when Dallas had like their third string quarterback, you know, playing against, you know, whoever. But overall, I think that staying in that middle to low tier uh, and looking for matchups because you can get value with like Seattle, Philly, Washington, mm -hmm. uh, and even the Bears at 3,600. I don't understand why they're not more. Uh, and it just all depends on, you know, what you can get in the rest of your lineup by maybe changing that up. And that's why the defense is usually one of the last things now I put in my lineup where before I would do like the defense, the tight end, and the quarterbacks first and then kind of work from there. And now it's I'm trying to load up on receivers because that's what we're best at and then fill out my lineup from there. Yeah, I think really when you're looking at for defenses, especially on you know, a thing like DraftKings where yardage and points matter a lot less than sacks and turnovers, is yeah, look for offenses that turn the ball over more so than defenses because I think that 
the number of turnovers a defense forces can be very fluky. Whereas if an offense is consistently turning the ball over, that's a sign that they just it's like playing against Jameis all last year. I remember I actually had some sets down the stretch where exactly. I was just whoever was playing Jameis, I played him. I didn't care what their defense was. And then the, the other thing is you want to try and find those matchups where you get a good pass rush going against a poor offensive line because a that, the sacks are worth points. Yep. But that also is going to increase the odds that you're going to get a sack fumble. You're going to get a guy pressured who throws a pick. So those are the ones I really try to look at. And to that point about you know, looking for offenses that turn the ball over. Uh, give me the Cardinals at 3,300 against the San Francisco 49ers, who now have eight straight games with multiple turnovers, the 49ers. Uh, they had four turnovers last week against Dallas Cowboys, who, again, are an awful defense. So the Cardinals, 43 sacks this year. We know they can get after the quarterback. Um, granted, this was against an immobile Daniel Jones and then the Eagles, who I believe have given up more sacks than anyone, but 14 sacks over the last two weeks for the Cardinals. So they're on a roll facing off. And again, that doesn't mean don't play Ayuk. That doesn't mean be scared of Jeff Wilson. It's not like the Niners don't ever move the ball. They, their offensive players could put up some okay points. And then they could still have three turnovers, and Arizona could have a pick six. What do I tell you all the time? The best possible thing that can happen when you have a receiver or a quarterback, in my opinion, is they start off slow and they get down a bunch. Kirk Cousins proved that against the Falcons, where he was horrible in that game and then ended up, I think, scoring like 30 points. Justin Jefferson ended up scoring like 40 points. Steelen ended up scoring 20 because they were just in chunk-it mode the entire second half. Yeah, ex- exactly. That, that, that's something, obviously, you can't always predict these things, but it is stuff you want to think about is, you know, how will this game play out? Obviously, you know, Corey nailed that uh, Tennessee game a couple weeks ago where I was high on Tannehill and the receivers. And he's just like, I think Derrick Henry is going to be running all over them, and that's exactly what happened. So if you can try and figure out how a game will play out, that can work out great. Um, for my low tier... Man, that, that, that's Seattle. That, that's a good point with Seattle. Um, I will go with the Eagles, though, because, again, you know, I, it's a quarterback that I think if he gets pressured, Andy Dalton is going to make mistakes. Eagles, 44 sacks this year. Um, a little, little fluky that they get that much pressure and have only had five interceptions. But well, they get that much trash. Yeah, I mean, again, Slay's the best guy, and he's been roasted by number ones. But I just think that Dallas is 25th on DraftKings against defenses, and the Eagles really get after it. And even though they've been getting shredded by opposing wide receivers and they've given up 30 points two of the last three weeks, they still put up seven, nine, six in those three weeks. They're still giving you points even when they give up points because they get after the quarterback they're getting those sacks and actually they have two interceptions the last two weeks so they've been trending a little bit up in the turnovers and that was against new orleans and arizona they forced five turnovers and had six sacks and those offenses are even with Taysom hill those are significantly better than i think dallas is right now absolutely 
Uh, so we've reached the end of this. We're not going to, the only thing we're going to plug is just the Ivy Sports Podcast Network because we went long. I mean, we went long. <laughs> uh, but I do want to wish everybody a very happy holidays. Uh, we will continue to do this all the way through the playoffs. I, I want to let you guys know that we'll, we'll kind of, uh, transfer into maybe single game modes too, where, you know, potentially like obviously for like the NFC and AFC championship game, we might do, you know, guys you like for the two games and then obviously do single games for both of them. We'll obviously do a single game podcast for the Super Bowl. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been a fun year. It's kind of sad that it's coming to an end, Joe, but, uh, you know, that's football. But uh, I hope you have a very happy holidays, buddy. And uh, we will post this immediately. But for Keith Fleming and Joe Matz, Hopefully this has been a very successful edition of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. We'll see you guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.